You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom. Yes, welcome again to another Physics Ed Podcast. Glad to have you yet again. If it's your first time, welcome. If it's your 50th time, glad to have you back. Uh, we are talking STEM as usual, and this week we're talking with Adrian Tyson, who is the co-founder of Neuronext Artificial Intelligence, which is an interesting space to jump into education. You see, Adrian, along with his co-founder, Dr. Andrew Kingdon, have been working in China and in Australia to get teachers and students to sort of get their head around what AI means for them now and what it could mean in the future. And importantly, what is AI? And what isn't it? You see, uh, this is a really a, a burgeoning topic. It's something that's going to keep growing and growing. And getting kids to really understand how this works in the real world through experiential activities is something that is right at the heart of how Adrian and his team are working. And so uh, let's jump on in with a chat because this is really interesting that you could potentially think about how could you position your students to understand how AI might be impacting them and uh, maybe uh, get in touch with Neuronext to find out how they might be able to help you. This is the Physics Ed Podcast. We're all about science, ed tech and more. To see 100 fun free experiments you can do with your class, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. And click 100 free experiments. So my name's Adrian Tyson and I'm from a company called Neuronext Artificial Intelligence. And we, uh, among other things, we teach artificial intelligence to students in schools, both primary and high school. And we also have uh, teacher courses for uh, Australian uh, school teachers to learn about artificial intelligence as well. How long have you been doing this? Uh, this has really kicked off just this year, actually. We've been working on it for two years, but uh, it's been, uh, been accredited by uh, NESA in New South Wales for teachers uh, just in March this year. And uh, that's when we kicked off our in-school programs. And we've had just over a thousand students and teachers do the course since. Oh, fantastic. I mean, I mean interesting you said that two years, because I mean, often people um, say, so, uh, so when did you come up with this? And, and often when there's people designing things, it doesn't just always come up overnight. I mean, I ran, ran into someone at a TeachMate last night, they were developing, uh, I think it was called Cookerberry. It was a, you know, a, um, a sensor-based uh, application that they, they built themselves. And they said similar yep. things. It took a couple of years to get going. And uh, and doesn't surprise me it was the same for you because, I mean, obviously getting into AI and all the rest, it's not like you can start off <laughs> instantly straight away. Right away, no. Well, uh, my co-founder on that is, is actually a PhD in psychometric statistics, so Dr. Andrew Kingdon. And with, uh, with him, we've been teaching actual, actually doctoral students at Beijing Normal University in Beijing, which is a, the big teaching university up there. And for a couple of years now, we've been teaching um, computer vision and natural language processing AI to, to doctoral students up there. So that's a very deep dive into calculus, linear algebra, and the statistics that drive is, is the, the underpinnings of artificial intelligence. And that's sort of where the genesis of it was, is it, you know, up there teaching. And we also present, uh, we've presented a couple of years for uh, papers at the AI and uh, Big Data uh, Global Conference for Education. Yeah. Uh, which is attached to Cambridge University as well. That's how, sort of how we got involved with Andrew's uh, done a bit of work with Cambridge. And, uh, we, you know, we thought, well, you know, we've we got teaching backgrounds and, and stuff in New South Wales and Australia. And we thought we should really be not just teaching Chinese students, we should be providing this opportunity to Australian students as well because, you know, it is a critical technology going forward and we want, you know, Australian students to be participants uh, of, of this technology 
as much as anyone in the world. And and so that's that's what the idea sort of originated from was our our work in Beijing. No, fair enough. And just out, out of that, because you know you do have a teaching background, uh, were you doing yep. kind of teaching coding and AI and whatever you could to kids prior to setting up Neuronext? No, actually, I was uh, I was just doing regular sort of uh, regular teaching in uh, in a primary setting, and I actually had another interest in filmmaking, and uh, and with that, I was teaching that to students as well, uh, teaching filmmaking. And so we saw the opportunity to when I you know we got into the AI thing with uh, with Andrew, who who I'd known for twenty five years, um, we saw an opportunity there to bring you know, AI education. So it wasn't something that I'd started in before doing coding. And, and one thing I like to sort of really underline is that AI is not coding and it is yeah. not robotics. A lot of people do confuse that. And that's one thing we like to sort of upfront really delineate and say that it's, it's not really any coding. However, we do use Python code to bring in, you know, AI libraries and to implement them for tasks. So while there is a usage of coding, it's, it's not about coding, um, which is interesting, I think. Absolutely. And I was kind of just thinking about the students who rock up to your courses because, um, I mean, yeah, you've just started this year, but at the same point, you still reached a thousand students, which by the way is well done yep. <laughs> as you get going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they're going to bring a lot of different backgrounds and thoughts and theories around that as they come into your room. Um, what do they think AI is? Yeah, well, I mean, we have a, we have a range and quite, I'm actually surprised at how many students will say, I have never heard of it. And right. then there's the range of students who, uh, and that's mainly the younger students. So they say but, like, hey, you know, Siri, not... what's AI? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and that's part of it. We say, what, what AI are you already using? And they go, oh, our phone? Mm. In what way? And they can't answer that. And then when we, we start saying, well, Siri is a natural language processing AI. And we yeah. go into you know, that. And, and there's other ones like, you know, they, they're all familiar with Amazon Alexa or Google Home and, and those kind of other NLP or natural language processing AIs that are out there, but then you've got the students who they've heard of it, but they don't really know what it is, but they want to know, you know, they understand that it's, you know, effectively a massive, you know, almost society changing technology. Um, and they, but they don't understand because really there's not a lot of solid info out there. And, and unfortunately there's a lot of misinformation out there, particularly in, uh, in terms of the media, you've got these movies like, you know, if you go way back to Terminator 2 or you've got iRobot and you've got Lots of these kind of movies that are just giving total false information and, you know, very worrying information to students about what the technology is. So that that's part of very early on in a session, we, we, we really um, bust, bust those myths, you know, that, that, that that's not AI. This is what it actually is and this is how it works. So when, when the kids walk in, let's, let's ignore, ignoring their ages for a moment, just the kids who are sure. competent, they have to, to handle what you're causing me about. I mean, so how do you walk them through, I guess, not just what AI is, but actually get them to conceptualize what could they do with it and how could they get engaged to actually create it themselves? Like, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of baby steps to take, I imagine, initially, or is it actually easier than Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah, so this, um, this course that we're delivering, our, our aim and our goal of this course is to spark student interest in the technology. Um, when it comes to the actual implementation of that, we start that at the doctoral level. So students aren't going to leave our course and implement AI. It is yeah. far too complex for that. But yep. so we're very upfront about that. What we want them to do is we want them to go, yeah, wow, now I understand how this works. Oh, look at all of the applications of this because less than 10% of applications have even been thought of so far. Um, you know, how could I make it, how can I make a difference with this technology? And as they go throughout their schooling, you know, we're going to bring new courses all the time. But as they go throughout their schooling, I say to them, 
I want you to go down this path. You know, this is if you're interested in this, go in that direction and learn these things because that's where the jobs are going to be. You know, jobs are going to change um, probably as significantly as like an industrial revolution, and we want them to be on the right side of that. And I think that that's that's our our aim is to just spark that interest. They understand the mechanics of what it's doing, how it's representing data in in ways that are different than computers could ever do before, yeah. and make associations which computers could never do before. Um, and so that's that's the the uh, you know the goal of us is to is to spark them, get them thinking, wow, this is the way I want to go. Well, it is, I, mean, I must say, my, my brain always goes, it's a brave new world <laughs> with this yeah. type of thing. But I mean, it was cool about it is these kids can 100% be a part of that world and part of that journey. And so I guess, so, so they get the introduction, AI is here already. It's not like it's coming in the future, it's here now, but oh, it's yeah. growing. And, uh, you know, of course, at the doctoral level, you need to actually get this thing pulled together. It takes a little bit of effort, I believe. But at the same <laughs> point, um, Getting kids under truly understand. I imagine you—it's not just here's a uh, presentation done on PowerPoint. I mean, they've got to actually con conceptually no. understand it much deeper. So, how do you go That's about that? That's right. So, what we do is we like we're strong believers in experiential learning. So, students—we don't just want to present to them on the screen. We want them to actually create their own data. Let's play with some artificial intelligence to do uh, classification on the data that they've that they've created. So, the good thing about that is it's the student could never, you can't say, oh, well, the computer's seen that data before. Because uh -huh. it hasn't. They've just created it new. Now it's their own individual data. And one of the examples that we do is to demonstrate that AI is a narrow technology. It will do its task, but something outside of its task, it, it can't deal with. So in one example, we have a numeral classification AI, which is actually originally trained to recognize uh, postcodes on the front of envelopes. It will only do one numeral at a time. And mm -hmm. you get a student to come out, create some numerals, and it will do a beautiful job. In fact, a better than human performance job at classifying those numerals. So it's like and odd say, or even or something like that? Well, it's just it will say it's a five or it's a six or okay. whatever it, it may be. Um, and then I say, now let's, let's go outside the bounds of what this thing can do. And why doesn't someone come out here and, and enter a letter or enter two numbers? And the AI fails completely. And as I say to them, this AI only has the only labels it can associate with the data is zero to nine. It doesn't know anything else, right? It's fantastic at that performance, but it's not trained to deal with letters or anything like that. And so we actually um, get them to, you know, deliberately break as it were, and then have a look at what's going on. And when I enter a capital A or the student does a capital A, why does it classify that as a four? What's going on with the data? And so we get those kind of discussions happening uh, as well so they can understand, you know, how it's arriving at its, uh, at its label and why that label is statistically the most likely, even though it's wrong, but we're looking at what's going on with the data. So yeah, you get to actually do that. And the other thing that they do is, um, is we, you know, we get them to take some photographs around the room of particular objects and we try and classify those uh, photographs with AI. And also we get them, and probably the, you know, the most engaging one is uh, once we've taught them about computer vision and neural networks, we actually get them to uh, we show them how to train and build an autonomous robotic car. Um, when I say build, build the model, not the vehicle, um, to do a self-driving task. So we have a like we get out this giant track. It's like five by four meters, and uh, and and we actually deploy uh, this car that will automatically drive. And as we say to them, for since the in invention of the motor vehicle, you required a human consciousness to do that. And now 
I've automated it. What's you know that's that's a quantum leap in the technology, but and that's fantastic and they love that and we have fun with that. And then I ask them, you know, how many people are employed to drive something? What's the implications of this? You know, what's what what's the you know what's this going to do to the structure of society and 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 get those kind of discussions happening as well. So it's not just the technology; it's also you know what does this technology mean and you know how what, what's it going to do? Is it going to mean reduced road toll, as an example, because there's less errors happening yeah. on the roads? So it's there's really, lots of things like that that we get them talking about. Yeah, it's a really interesting um, headspace because, uh, I mean, only last weekend I was lucky enough to be a judge on the One World Robotics Competition and they had an AI component in it. And part of that was the kids had to present to us as judges uh, as a panel what they think would be happening in future cities. And one of them was, mm -hmm. you know, autonomous cars as part of it. But also one, uh, they say, what is their solution for dealing with what's going to be like in future cities? The kids came up with some interesting ideas. There was one group of kids that uh from mara sisters actually they said uh, actually one of the things we'd like to talk about is well artificial intelligence it is an intelligence and by definition intelligence is you know they've got to deal with the real world and occasionally they're going to make mistakes and so perhaps there might need to be some sort of unit that's you know at a, on a, at a, at a, a crimes level that actually works out well if something went wrong where does where who, who do we where what do we deal with we look at the data light. set or do we look yeah. at the people who, who created it? Or do we look at the AI itself? It brings up um, actual challenges that are far beyond just, hey, here's some data. Because <laughs> this thing's meaningful in the world. Uh, that's right. And I mean, self-driving cars, one, when we do the long day program, um, we actually have time to go into a bit of the ethical considerations of artificial intelligence. And, you know, we present students with things like the trolley problem, which is, you know, there's a, a, a tram coming down the track and uh, it, it you can either run over one person or you can switch the track and it can run over two. And it's an ethical dilemma. So what, you know, well, what if this person is a, a young person or that person's an old person and all of these different ethical uh, dilemmas come into it. And, you know, AI is going to have to deal with those. And we've seen uh, like Tesla self-driving cars or an Uber self-driving car in the United States run over and, and, and kill a, a pedestrian. Um, and, the reality of that situation is, is that a human driver would most likely have done the same thing in that particular instance. It was a really tough problem, but when they dive right into the uh, into the technology and what is going on, the AI recognised the person 5.6 seconds, or recognised there was an object uh, prior to the accident, and then was unsure, wasn't trained, didn't have enough data to deal with a jaywalking style setup. They understood if people were near pedestrian crossings or intersections, they were well trained. But when it was a jaywalker or a random person on the road where they didn't expect it, it was unable to do the classification. And then by the time it was strong enough and so that it was, oh, I need to stop this car, they had an inbuilt one second delay because they had a problem with their AI meshing with a system from Volvo that was run driving the car. So that one second delay then made the accident inevitable. Yeah. And so that was a, an example of, uh, you know, who's at fault here? You know, wh what's going on? And I think that the technology to drive the vehicle is there, but the regulatory environments, the, you know, the legal world is nowhere near caught up. And I Which think is, that's a big, a big problem, yeah. Which is fantastic because that opens up discussions that go right down, okay, we're talking as a New South Wales type educator, so we often talk around our yep. curriculum, but we know there's many around the world. Uh, but the human society and its environment has a number of different things that you can discuss uh, yeah. in amongst these. And it's not just the built environment, it's how we interact with said environment. And 
that's a big deal. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and there's just a huge amount of uh, of you know, ethical considerations. And I, I know one thing that's uh, that's coming is that uh, street furniture. So this is Internet of Things. Uh, street furniture is going to be need need to be part of the data set that it, that cars are using. So you know, a car at the moment, uh, like a, a self-driving car, a Tesla approaches a light, and it's making a computer vision decision on, as to whether the light is green or red or amber. Yeah. Um, whereas I know in railway settings at the moment, uh, I know John Holland Rail in New South Wales that runs the regional uh, sort of freight lines. They, uh, the train is uh, the train. The computer on the train knows what the signal is going to be before it gets there, and they are actually using computer vision to do a double check on that. So they, yeah. they've got it the other way around. So they've got a very what's called smart track and and dumb train uh, is what they is their is their paradigm, uh, whereas. In vehicles with Teslas, it's very smart car and dumb road, as it were, and that's what they're trying to. Um, part of that building, you know, the world of the future is that you know the street furniture or the street, um, the street uh, lights and all of that kind of thing are going to be need to communicate with cars in advance. And the, I mean, the other side to that, as I say to students, is that who's ever been in a car? You approach a street light, it goes red, you stop. And there's no other traffic that needs to flow through the intersection. You're just waiting there, right? because they're just on a timer. But if if the, they were communicating between the lights and the cars, they would know that there's no other demand for that intersection. So this car could just keep going. And the efficiencies and the lack of wastage of of fossil fuels and and or electricity uh, would be you know in the billions of dollars just from that little efficiency alone. Through and that's not so much AI. That's just Internet of Things and, and and information being advanced instead of just you know reactive information. So there's lots of discussions about you know all that kind of stuff that you can get from it. So I guess when when I think about it, I mean, if I was a student in this day and age growing up and kind of hearing these discussions, I mean, there's always ethical discussions come across. But of course, we need to as growing up kids have a set of tools that can help us navigate this world. It seems like the understanding how data and how data moves is becoming more and more fundamental to <laughs> kids as they grow up, yeah. irrespective of what area they're actually interested, whether it's art, maths, cooking, whatever it is. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's funny you should mention art. We actually show them. There's, qu there's quite a few uh, instances out there now where AI has been applied to create art. And, and, uh, and so that's like data that has been turned into what looks like creative uh, output, you know, that, that a human has, has previously done is now being able to be sort of not matched but imitated by by data and it it is um it's pretty it's pretty amazing what's what's out there but 100% right the a student now would um you know and that's what that's what our goal is to try and say look this is where we want you know this is really cool <laughs> apart from that this is where the jobs are going to be we want you to be understanding yeah how the data is is dealt with particularly in computer vision because as i say to the students okay uh, we know that a computer can hold a photo, record a photo. We know that our camera can record a photo, but the camera has no idea, or the you know the printed image doesn't have any. It's just a, it's just holding color. It's not it doesn't know what's in the image. Whereas now computers can understand what's in the image, and that's what's changed. Is that uh, you know in a digital image, a pixel now, and every student seems to they all understand the concept of a pixel, particularly when in terms of video games and things like that is that every pixel is reduced to a numerical value. And we show them how those numerical values are arrived at. So, you know, what was what is a, is a picture is reduced to pure numbers. 
and then dealt with, you know, with a neural network. And, and so that's a, a, to that point about, you know, how does data flow and all that is, is that's part of what we do with um, particularly teaching computer vision. Which really means that um, our job as educators is to be able to help those kids who really don't care about data, who really don't care about maths. They really can't stand yep. it. <laughs> and sort yeah, of making those connections right. going, you know what, this is part of your future yeah. and here's why it might matter. Absolutely. And, and you know, those students who you just mentioned, uh, you put a self-driving car in front of them and that is a, you know, a real thing uh, that they can really grab hold of and it really grabs their attention. And, and as, I, as I say to them, when this is more for the high school students, but we say, don't ever say to your mathematics teacher, when will I ever use calculus in real life? Because there it is. AI is, is mainly you know, a lot of calculus. And uh, so we actually had a uh, one of uh, Andrew met with um, Eddie Wu and he said that to him and he agreed wholeheartedly. That's, that's definitely using calculus is whenever there's AI there. But yeah, that's and that's why we try and use really engaging examples of AI and not just uh, what may, you know, uh, things that may only interest students who are heavily interested in mathematics. And we try and make it very broad so that you know, every student who, who um, you know, no matter what their interests are, can get engaged by this and, and and as I say to them look you don't need to be a fantastic mathematician any more than I need to be a mechanic to drive my car okay yeah sure we go to China and we teach the deep mathematics but you're not going to need to have that to implement and to work with AI so it's not something that they have to be a really uh, you know uh, a, a grade mathematics student to be involved in this and I, th I think that's a key point that we make so I guess this brings up the question. So um, you say um, uh, you got you just in front of you. You got a, a whole bunch of soon to freshly graduate uh, students who are going to be teaching other students. So whether in their primary or the high school setting, and some are absolutely love this uh, world, and others are going. You know what? The curriculum's going to be shoved down my throat. I'm going to have to teach it anyway. Um, yeah. How? What, what's some advice would you suggest to at least help? them teach their first set of students how the world's starting to go, how, how it's starting to move? I think that, that that's a very good point. And, and I think that one of the, um, I mean, obviously we have, we have courses for teachers, but forget, forgetting that, there is um, also some, a, a report that was just put out, I think by Dr. Erica Southgate was one of the main uh, authors. There was, there was quite a few authors, but I think she was the main author, um, uh, which the, the Federal Department of uh, Education put out. And one key thing in there is it says that teachers are going to have to start their AI uh, you know, journey now and they're going to have to keep updating it every year because this is moving so rapidly and, and you know, it's, it's, it's just a constantly changing, changing world and we need to be able to position our students to be successful in that world and not be left behind by it. So I think that, um, you know, even, even if, if someone's not that, interested in this world I think it's critical it'd be like you know for myself as a as a primary teacher uh, you know if there's something I was say less interested in and let's call that art for, as an example um, you know it's still my job to, to, to expose students to art and to teach them about art and to be enthusiastic about that even if that's not my forte and I think that that's a, a core responsibility of teachers and, and I think that you know if we're trying to make it so that it's not uh, we're trying to demystify and, and, and make it so that it is explainable to students. It is something that is engaging for students. And I think that that's, you know, the role of teachers, particularly going forward. And, and you know, our work in China, we see that those students up there are getting, you know, exposed to it um, 
and if Australian students aren't because their teachers aren't doing anything with it, um, you know, it's, it's going to leave them it's going to leave them floundering, and that's you know, as an educators, that's the worst thing that can happen. I would I would imagine. Oh, thank you, and I totally agree. I mean, it's it's all about the enthusiasm that truly makes a difference. It's without doubt, it always is the case, and more than enough research Absolutely. backs that up for sure. And um, I guess like, there's a part B to this question. I mean, the okay, so we got to get enthusiastic, but of course, it's nice to be enthusiastic when you got back when you got some resources to re- to, to work off. <laughs> so I Absolutely. guess I mean, yep. at that same cohort of people in front of you, where would you point them to say, you know what, here's a great place to find some stuff to get going. Yeah, um, so we there's it is a it is a like deeply mathematical uh, and and co- like like you need Python skills, you need calculus, my kind of stuff to actually build new AI, and that's not where I where I'd be going. But uh, I I send out to anyone who's done you know, the NESA course, they get a whole bunch of resources sent out to them, and I'm just trying to think because I haven't sent that for a couple of weeks off the top of my head, but I know I just this morning sent out a um, a pack. Uh, to to a school that had done my course, and they can actually implement, you know, the one I was talking about, the numeral classifier, and have those discussions with students about, you know, it works now when I'm giving it the data that's trained on, and so that's something that teachers can get hold of, and they're going to implement that in their school, and they'll be able to then, you know, work use that as a resource for teaching that sort of introductory computer vision and neural networks, and in the classroom with new data that the students are creating. So that's the kind of um, the kind of uh, resources that we sort of are sending out to the people that have that have that we've been and seen with uh, with the course. No, oh, fantastic! Now I know there'll be some people who want to get a hold of you. <laughs> I suspect yeah. you're going to help help out a little bit. So how would they be able to get in touch? The best thing to do is to uh, visit our website, which is www.neuronext.ai. So it's n-e-u-r-a-n-e-x-t.ai. Or email myself, which is adrian.tyson at neuronext.ai. Easy. And as usual, we'll always put these in the show notes so you'll be able to check it out. And uh, look, thank you very much, Adrian, for uh, popping on to have a bit of a chat. It's, uh, it is Friday afternoon, but then again, we're always busy no matter what, <laughs> what day it is. That's right. Um, uh, my pleasure. No, absolutely. And uh, look, well done getting this off the ground. I mean, you're in your first year, but like you said, you've been, this is two years in the making and uh, it sounds like you're doing an awesome job, not just in Australia, but in China and potentially elsewhere, I suspect, as you get we're, on. Yeah, we're, we're, we've been very lucky to, um, we're, we're part of the Amazon's AWS EdStart program yeah. for, for Edutech startups and also the NVIDIA Inception program for AI startups. So those two things are, are helping us in small ways, but uh, but they're certainly helping and, and giving us some exposure around the place. And yeah, it's, it's uh, going quite well. We just want to you know, expose as many students to this technology as possible. And as I say to them, you know, it's the creative thinkers who apply these STEM skills that change the world. And that, that's my, I suppose, my message I leave them with. Mate, great message to leave them with. <laughs> awesome. Uh, have a fantastic afternoon. Thank you. You too. Not all TPL for teachers is as awesome as it could be. I feel like there's a lot of PowerPoint presentations, a lot of sitting and listening to someone talking. Well, if you want a break from that, physics TPL sessions are fully hands-on, fully integrated with the curriculum and full of amazing science ideas that you can put in your classroom right now. Well, there we go. We just spoke with Adrian Tyson, who you can really tell is a very passionate person when it comes to AI and not just AI, 
technology in general. He's really, really, really clued in on this. I mean, this is something that's 100% going to affect us. It's not just about autonomous robotic cars. It's all sorts of things, and it's impacting us right now. So why not get in touch with Adrian at Neuronex Artificial Intelligence and find out how they can help you out? And as usual, on our website, we have a bunch of different resource links about this Adrian kindly gave to us so that you can sort of start that journey along too. So just jump on the PhysEd website, type in artificial intelligence, you'll find the blog article about this and all the different links that Adrian's given us. Hey, uh, that's enough for this particular chat. As usual, we've got more things coming up and I hope you have a fantastic evening or morning or whatever you're doing and I'll catch you another time. You've been listening to another PhysicsEd podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au